Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein, A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, then this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E N C E. L-A-D-U-S literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. I'm fixing a hole where the rain gets in. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. (laughs) We give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. The Sixth Sense, Signs, The Village, all very clever films. But can you use your amazing idea brain now to help us stop the terrorists? What if... What if it turns out they aren't terrorists, but they're actually werewolves from the future? No, no, they're terrorists. They've been linked to Al-Qaeda. But what if Al-Qaeda, it turns out, is the group being terrorized by aliens? No, no, that's not an idea. That's a twist. We need ideas. How about we make everyone think that terrorists attacked us? But really, we were all already dead. Get him out of here. With your host... Pete, we need ideas how to stop the terrorists. An 18-wheeler spins out of control, and it's all like, brush in this huge tanker full of diamonds. Brah, brah. Those aren't ideas. Those are special effects. I don't understand the difference. I know you don't. Get him out of here. And Greg. And being that we are all big Mel Gibson film fans, we thought maybe you could help us. Ah, oh, my nipples, they hurt. They hurt when I twist them. Yes, uh, I don't suppose you have any creative ideas how to fight these terrorists. How about this? You have that videotape that the terrorists made, right? Well, maybe if you did a background check on that videotape, you might find somebody who doesn't belong. Somebody who doesn't fit in imagination land. Oh! And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Say what you want about Mel Gibson, but the son of a bitch knows story structure. Get the videotape and do a background check on everyone in it. Ah, yes! Holy snacks, we're back for another action-packed, exciting episode of Hindsight is 2020. Bring it on. I've got three dogs and a thunderstorm right by me to make sure that this is this is high intensity of... Uh, we're gonna pack this sucker in in a half an hour or less of uh, of a of a little quick fix, a saloon shot, if you will, to steal from an ancient podcast. But <laughs> what are we doing today, boss? We're gonna look at a couple of movies uh, down a list that are random, and we're not gonna completely rework their entire screenplay. No, no, no. We are going to take a list of movies and say. There's one thing in each of these movies that if you just said gone, the movie would improve. This feels like some kind of a Sesame Street game somehow. One, two, three fixes <laughs> to a movie. Ah, ah, ah. Which of these things is not like the other? 
So we've got ourselves a list of movies. We're going to go back and forth, and we're going to say, you know what? This movie could have been a B minus, and now it's a B plus, or it could have been an F, and now it's a D minus. But either way, we're going to make some minor improvements by removing one thing, and it's usually could be either uh, a character or a subplot or hell, even an ending. <laughs> All you have to do is just remove an ending, and you suddenly have a better film. So we're going we're gonna to stay in films. Uh, we were thinking about television, but we are going to stay with films, at least on the list I have. Yeah, a little cleaner that way. So let's just get into this now. What is first on your list, boss man? All right. Well, I'm going to – this will be – this is the only one of these on my list. We tried to deliberately stray away from replacing actors, actresses in um, certain roles and everything like that. But I do have to plead my case for this one. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 Dracula. Let's lose Keanu Reeves. <laughs> he, he's unnecessary. He is not. He is not good. <laughs> but this is the one where we'll get this out of the way. I disagreed because, and that's where we came up with our format of, you've got to replace him with another actor. Mm. <laughs> so because the Jonathan Harker character is kind of crucial to the Dracula story. Oh no, no question to that. But um, his acting is so hellacious in that particular role in that movie that I mean it really threatens to you know derail the train so to speak. <laughs> All right. Well, I... whoa, music. There's animals. Oh. <laughs> what are you girls doing to me on this bed? Oh. I doubted my very senses, Doctor. And he's gone. Okay. Yes, he's gone. Okay. No, um, we'll, you, you could replace him with the chair that Quint, Clint Eastwood was talking to. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Just get him out of there. All right. Well, okay. And then I got... Uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just shoot the lead right now. I'll just blow the lead out of the water. Yeah. My, the one that got us started on this run is a movie that I saw that came out in 2013... And it was part of the Hollywood doubles that history likes to provide, where it's it's Armageddon, Deep Impact, it's it's volcano, volcano. Speak. it's 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 animated bug movies. It, it's the Hollywood has two different movies with the same story. And last year, one was White House Down, and one was Olympus Has Fallen. I saw White House Down in the movie theater. That's the Jamie Fox Channing Tatum one. And it was done by Emmerich, who uh, Roland Emmerich, who did Independence Day and and Day After Tomorrow. The guy has his own style, his own sensibility. It is popcorn. It is very, very tame. It is very, very. Uh, I don't know how you want to put it. Third grade reading level, maybe <laughs> at at the most. And when I saw this movie in the movie theater, I thought. Okay, this is actually entertaining, and it might have been the mood I was in, but as the whole movie was going along, thinking, this is really just, wow, I'm very surprised that they're able to pull something out that's entertaining while completely understanding how stupid it actually probably is. <laughs> but then, we're going to spoil the hell out of this, because I just have to get this one out of the way, then we'll go through quick shots all the rest of our list. But the end, the final... And I saw it again recently on cable, so I timed it. The final seven and a half minutes of this movie, if they were eliminated completely, 
This movie would be, I would give it a solid B minus as a cinematic experience. Right now, it sits at a D plus solely because the last eight move eight minutes is just a big dump on top of a, you know, they were they were like spending two hours making a nice cake. And all of a sudden they got to the end and thought, we're out of frosting. What do we use? Uh, poop. And they so they, <laughs> they shit on the top of a cake and then said, here, it's over. And you realize, oh, ah. Uh. But, uh, well, very visual for those of us who didn't actually <laughs> see the film, though. What what exactly does this translate to? What, what uh, are we referring to? You said you were going to spoil it. All right, fine. The spoiler is, is that Channing Tatum's daughter is one of the hostages in the White House, and he has to go, and he saves Jamie Foxx, the current Obama president clone. And they are fighting against James Woods, who's the big bad guy, who's the head of the Secret Service, planning this big terrorist takeover of the White House. And, and they use candy to get rid of him. Sure. Oh. But, oh, piece of candy. <laughs> <laughs> Ten points for that reference. But at the end, the there's this very side note thing at the beginning where Channing Tatum's, like, 12-year-old daughter says she's... She's doing, like, the flag routine for cheerleaders at a football game, and her dad missed it. Oh, no. How do they do this at the end? There's an airstrike coming on the White House. Wait. Everybody's made it out. Channing Tatum saved our lives. How are we going to stop this? Is Nicolas Cage going to go out with the flaming green smoke and tell them not to bomb Alcatraz? Oh, no, no, no. We're going to have, a like, an 11-year-old girl pick up an American flag from the Oval Office, run out onto the lawn, and while F-16s are flying at full speed into Washington, D.C., and they're probably, at this point, 10 miles away, she starts waving the American flag on the White House lawn, which causes the pilots in about a five-second thought process to say, there's a girl on the front lawn waving an American flag. Abort! Abort the mission! <laughs> and, and suddenly they fly away, and then there's this big convoluted plot of, oh, wait, the Speaker of the House is actually the guy behind this all, and he was a good guy the whole time. And, oh, we got to get him. And Channing Tatum turns into Detective Boy and says, no, I think you're the guy who's the bad guy for some reason, and take him away, boys. And they do, and they get on the helicopter and they fly away and suddenly what was a decent two-hour action movie has turned into what <laughs> <laughs> so there that's oh little... come on come on it worked for nicholas cage in the rock when he was waving the flares at the jet planes coming in to drop the bombs <laughs> i could accept that so much more because that's green smoke flying the whole point was the pilots were supposed to be looking for green smoke and that would be the signal to say abort and, you know, green smoke is, if he's waving it for long enough, is going to rise up maybe 150 feet in the air. I think jet pilots at a distance who are focused on the island can see that. I don't think that jet pilots who are flying between city buildings at a major metropolis who are miles away can see a girl waving an American <laughs> flag on the lawn surrounded by trees and buildings and whatever else. Ugh, I don't know what all sensitive equipment they pack in those jets. I could have a flag recognition software program <laughs> running at all times. So I have spent way too long on White House Down just because that was the one that got me into this where I was just like, oh, God, just 
get rid of that crap. So what's next on your list? Oh, boy. I actually have a tag team, if I can, uh, based on what you were talking about. Um, the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson um, has this scene that was in the trailers, and they cut away in the trailers before the event actually happens, but it does also involve the American flag. And I'm sitting there in the theater, whatever year that, you know, before that movie came out, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, all right, he's on a battlefield diving down on one knee with the American flag. He's going to stab a horse with the flag. <laughs> and sure enough, when I finally watched the movie, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> he stabs a horse in the chest with the American flag. Um, so just take out that. And yes. The the, the, I mean, you know, it's it's an entertaining popcorn flick. It has its moments and everything like that. But that was just jarring for me. I was just <laughs> going, oh, my God, this is just, you know, kind of action movie stupid all of a sudden right here in the middle of something that had kind of stayed true to the time period and everything. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm like with his character from Lethal Weapon, all of a sudden I'm with Riggs and it's just like, what, 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 what just happened? Why? No, that's wrong. Just <laughs> the film logic went out the, went out the window at that point. And, um, while you were talking, I actually thought of something that, uh, goes to a shared viewing experience of ours of something that, uh, uh, again, I don't know if you could save this particular movie, um, but it, it might. <laughs> you can argue one way or another on this. It it might improve it. The um, sudden gymnastics routine that we break <laughs> into in the middle of uh, The Lost World, the second Jurassic Park film. Where... Uh... Oh, God. Jeff Goldblum's daughter, uh, to escape velociraptors, suddenly goes and do this gymnastics routine. It's 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 something if you have not seen this film. And it's a big old <laughs> pile of vomit in the middle of a day, vaguely decent film. Yes, yes. A friend of ours in college, I summed it up perfectly at our screening at the theater when he stood up applauding. And then everybody started applauding him. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty unreal, but was, yeah, it was hideous. Oh, <laughs> uh, good call. All right. Well, what about uh, here's a simple one mm. that was pointed out in another podcast: Batman '89. Yes. Make the Joker more menacing. And apparently there was a line, and I don't remember it, but it, I, I did read the novelization of the original screenplay. But there was a line in that movie that would have made the end of that movie less just kind of stupid than it is now. There's a line when Batman, you know, runs the Batmobile through Axis Chemicals and blows up murdering a bunch of henchmen because that's a great Batman thing to do. <laughs> The Joker's in his helicopter. He's like, up in the air, Junior Birdman. Aha. And apparently there was a line for Jack Nicholson's Joker where he said something along the lines of, uh, come get me in the town square. Uh, it, it, you know, each minute that passes that you don't come to the town square, I'll kill 100 people. So come get me. Ha ha. And he flies away. 
like spells out the stakes for both Batman and the audience. Yeah, so he just antagonizes him, and if it would have left that in, that ending would have had so much more gravitas than than <laughs> what that we actually got, which wasn't much. So there's there's a quick shot. What do you got next? Uh, I'm gonna counter punch actually in that same movie in that same ending. Uh, if you're going to have Batman use every technological means known to uh, warfare technology to zero in on the Joker um, when he's standing in the street, hit him with something <laughs> and don't have the Joker shoot him down with a really big comedic um, gun barrel sequence. Ridiculous gun, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just just jarring. <laughs> Have Joker do a quick draw, shoot first, or have Joker have a henchman on a rooftop that shoots the jet just as he's about ready to shoot. Yeah, some, it something off more credible, please. Something besides, oh, he just happened to miss him completely. And it's <laughs> it's such a Batman thing to do to arm himself with missiles and Gatling guns to murder <laughs> someone. That's exactly what he does. Uh, I, I didn't get around to calibrating those. It, it, it was a little mistake. <laughs> How about uh, another Batman, Batman Forever? Hmm. Make Robin younger. <laughs> I was just going to say ditch Robin. <laughs> well, at some point, by that point in the movie series, you had to have Robin. I, I think, you know, that was a given. You're in the third movie of that series. Robin was going to show up eventually. You might as well do it then. But don't cast Chris O'Donnell, who looks like he's 30 years old already. C cast a 13-year-old or a 16-year-old playing a 13-year-old because that's what it was in the comics. That's what lent so much uh, credibility to people's uh, comic book writers the last 30 or 40 years making that character something worthwhile. And he was introduced, it was just, here's a kid for the kid audience. So it took, you know, writers making something of him. So just... Make him a kid, and suddenly a lot of scenes in that goofy movie of Batman Forever with Val Kilmer, you know, teamed up with some kid make a lot better sense or a lot more sense than here's here's thirty year old Robin with thirty two year old <laughs> Bruce Wayne. He's a mentor for some reason. For some reason, yeah. Just just kid. I'm sorry about your parents. Um, go get a job. <laughs> go get a job. You can, you can work for me at Wayne Enterprises. That's that's fine. Yeah, no, that is a very strange arrangement. I'm not sure exactly other than oh, see, I can't even justify for the type of film they were making because they were trying to go for more of a comedic bent uh, campy kind of version of it at that point with that film. So there isn't really any excuse not to make him a kid. Exactly. So what, what's uh, what's next? Hmm. Well, if we want to stick with superheroes, uh, Superman spinning the world back backwards at the end of the first Superman film of uh, the Donner series film. Ah, uh, yes. Well, we know why that happened, because they weren't sure they were going to make a second movie, and that was the big bullet in their story chamber was to do that. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, this comes back to what we have repeated ad nauseum on these episodes, and that is modern-day storytelling has more credibility to its logic in storytelling. And that, <laughs> one, that one was still in the age of, or hell, the beginning of the age of 
it's a superhero, so he's got to have a big super ending. He can turn the world back. And I can keep everybody from flying out into outer space while I <laughs> yeah. do it. <laughs> Egg, yeah. Whereas modern day, all those story beats given in a modern day sense, it would be, holy crap, Lois is dead from <laughs> yeah, dirt <they> insulation. Probably... <laughs> she, she ate dirt and she is dead and Superman is pissed and now kryptonians are coming down and superman and then the second movie kryptonians are here and superman is just completely pissed off and then by the end of the second movie he has to learn how to bring his emotions into check because he's too powerful oh and he might yeah i mean he might actually have i hate to say a character development <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, well, well that's what was missing yeah so uh we get out of the superhero world a little bit maybe uh how about any Adam Sandler movie of the last, like, 15 <laughs> years? And you could just say, just stop right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I would I would propose that most, and I don't, I say that very, very lightly, because there oh, are a few that are garbage, but... Schneider. Yeah. <laughs> most of the Sandler movies, if you strip away Sandler and you look at them from concept level, a lot of them are really cool ideas. Like, Click is a really cool idea of he's got a remote control that he can control his life. But then all of the Sandlerisms get inputted into that movie of here's a, a crazy outlandish fart joke that they've obviously set up for no reason otherwise other than to just have a big outlandish fart joke. And just people have seen him. It's just the Sandler bits that always get thrown into these movies that are 100% extraneous to the story they're telling. And it's obvious that the editor has to make a diversion from the stream of the storytelling to say, we got to go over here and do this Sandler comic bit with Dan Aykroyd and Sean Astin and 51st Dates just because we have to, even though it serves no purpose to the story. And... I mean, there's another one. Fifty First Dates has a good premise, and if you remove the Sandlerisms, might be a decent rom-com. But nope, Sandler kind of ruins them all. <laughs> so that that's a big swath of movies. But what's yours? Hmm. Oh, let's see. I will uh, reload with a 2005 entry: uh, Spielberg's take on War of the Worlds for the bulk of the movie uh there's this father-son tension thing going on that kind of culminates in the son robbie running away in the middle of this big attack by the alien machines uh wanting to go fight and prove his manhood and dad doesn't want to go fight and keeps telling him not to go off and do that and everything like that and uh magically at the end of the film uh robbie turns up just fine See, I'm surprised you remembered the character's name. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't in love with that film to begin with. But yeah, when that when he showed back up at the end, I mean, it, it's like you know, palm slapping the forehead type of moment of oh my gosh, we do not need this. He he made his choice. You know internalize some of the loss that everybody in this world has supposedly experienced and everything like that by him losing his son. His son grew up. He made a choice. 
Yeah. Have steaks. <laughs> Always comes back to that, doesn't it? Have <laughs> steaks. <laughs> Let your characters go through some shit. Yeah. How about you? We'll spin it back to you. What do we got? Uh, how about the movie? Well, we'll go back into superhero world again. How about the movie Hancock? Will Smith uh, tempted a superhero movie in 2008 uh, with Charlize Theron. This is another character removal bit. Remove the Jason Bateman character because his entire point is is supposed to be taking this wild, outlandish Hancock and streamlining him into a more approachable, heroic figure to the city. But he does not come off that way. He's married to Charlize Theron. He... He's very, very extraneous and doesn't really serve much of a purpose. I could see where the screenwriters were going with it, but he's completely unnecessary. And if you remove Jason Bateman, that movie suddenly goes from maybe a C minus to maybe a B plus. I honestly would give it that because he just drags it down and doesn't serve a purpose. Just slows everything down, basically. Yeah, there's a lot of, okay, we got a detour over to make sure that he comes back in for some purpose. <laughs> so what do you got? Uh, on the removal end of things, and this was another shared experience we had, uh, Anchorman 2. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's qu- uh, quite a few things I could go into with this. How, I, I how is that at 74% on Rotten Tomatoes? I, it's made for an audience that isn't us. I don't know. But... Um, yeah, let's just, and this will sound crazy given the title and subject matter of the movie, but let's just take Ron Burgundy out of the bulk of this film. They never could make up their mind what they wanted to do with him. Um, it seemed like they were rebooting whatever story arc he was supposed to be having every five minutes. Uh, why not make it kind of a search for Ron Burgundy kind of situation? You get everybody back together that way, kind of organically. You catch up with Ron, and you get to have some fun with him in the back half of the film, and you're you're good. He could even just turn up in the big Anchorman fight. I like it. I like it. All right, well, then let's just run down the list here of uh, some little bits that could be removed and really call this a half an hour. Um, <laughs> how about... Uh, how about the movie Daredevil, the Ben Affleck, Jennifer Garner movie? Mm-hmm. Get rid of the pop music and make an actual or- <laughs> orchestral like Danny Elfman score. Boom, your movie is better. <laughs> so what's on yours? Go. Um, any 80s movie that either overuses the saxophone or that the characters spend a ridiculous amount of time singing about the plot. <laughs> just yeah can we go to every 80s movie remove the saxophone and suddenly they're all watchable again yeah <laughs> it, right. it would help immeasurably all right return of the jedi remove the ewoks gone <laughs> what did that do to you i don't know uh stick the wookies in there like george was originally thinking sure why not yeah all right another minor quibble uh, the end of Austin Powers 3, we jumped the shark somehow at the very end of the film with Scott Evil dancing by himself in his father's lair. Yeah, I can go with that. Yeah, I don't need it. Unnecessary. How about uh, Lethal Weapon 4? There's a movie that uh, was pretty lame on its surface, but 
If you remove Joe Pesci from that movie, eh, it's kind of watchable. Right. <laughs> if you just take out his entire character, even Chris Rock becomes less annoying, and suddenly you have a watchable movie. Yeah, I'm also going to say uh, excise Joe Pesci from Lethal Weapon 3 while you're at it. We, we don't need him in there. There's no reason Leo Getz would still be hanging around at that point. He served his point in part two. Leave it at that. Sure. All right. All right. Um, again, minor quibble. Back to the future part two. We've been picking on it, but I'll rake it over the coals one last time. They have this really annoying character actor, or whoever he is, like three or four times in a very short period of time uh, turn up in the 1955 storyline after uh, Biff gets punched out going, I think his wallet got stolen. That guy stole his wallet. Da-da-da-da-da. And it's jarring. Ditch it. It's something that easily should be on the cutting room floor. It's unnecessary is what it is. Yeah, yes. (laughs) That guy... That was a uh, that was a producer's uh, cousin, slow cousin who got a shot. <laughs> um, I got a few more left here on my list. Uh, I oh, got, I've got I've got more than that, but I mean, keep going. I got, I got like uh, Deep Impact. Ah. We, we already mentioned that once. Armageddon, Deep Impact, Deep Impact. Take out the Elijah Wood character. <laughs> that whole storyline of Elijah Wood and his family, because I know you're supposed to show, okay, well, we now we need to see the human side of what's happening to the regular folk who have to go live in this big underground sugar cave. Well, let's get rid of that family. Oh, becomes a watchable movie again. All right. And why would you save the guy who found the comet that's going to destroy the Earth? What is he going to do for you in the future? I mean, he lucked out billion-to-one chance here this one time. It's not like he's the comet finder. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> not needed. I'm going to go real obscure for most people. The ancient Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me movie that I watched last summer for the first time ever. Very interesting experience. If you have not watched it, I am a fan of the series as it is. But the ending, uh, spoiler alert for the very ending, it ends with this gigant, this person dressed up as an angel with gigantic wings flapping over the Laura Palmer character. A, a little too far on that. We We got it. Uh, how about multi- the movie Multiplicity? Here's, here's a random one mm. where Michael Keaton clones himself. It was pure cheese on a Harold Ramis later years level in, in, in an Ivan Reitman kind of way, what we've already talked about, where that man's work just went downhill. But it was a watchable comedy, had some moments, but it completely jumped the shark when the fourth clone came in that was this goofy messed up version michael keaton was just not able to perform that role and it turned a eh, it's a decent watchable mid-90s comedy to uh this is horrible (laughs) well we didn't know jack frost was coming (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or herbie fully reloaded or whatever (laughs) well yes but we love michael keaton Oh, sure. Um, Alien Resurrection. Uh, This is one of the kind of lesser entries, I guess, in the pantheon of Alien films and everything. It's got some good moments. It's got some good buildup. And this, I know this was something held over and fought for by Sigourney Weaver. 
the thing really goes downhill after the Sigourney Weaver character Ripley has sex with the alien, and everything that happens after that is really goofball cheese. So, oh, I stay on that with a movie that I had to see for a job I had in 1997, Event Horizon. Oh dear, <laughs> it's not a good movie at all. But when you're seeing it for the first time in a crowded theater of people who get there free and they're into it. That movie was, I would say, on that C level for the first maybe 40 minutes. People were like, okay, we're going with this. Where are we going with this? But we're following. And then suddenly when Sam Neill comes back and it turns into a bloody mess, he's the devil, horns, people killing, it's like, well, that was an unforeseen turn. <laughs> and it made the C-level <laughs> movie. escalated really quickly. Yeah, it just turned that C-level movie in that theater to, what is this? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> and I think the perfect line that sums it up, and this might be my last one on the list that I can think of, is Lawrence Fishburne had a, a line in that movie that he said so unbelievably out of character. I mean, it just sounded like it came from Lawrence Fishburne on set, and they happened to be rolling cameras, where he just turned to somebody and said, oh, we're leaving. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was such a perfect moment that I can never forget people in the theater laughing out loud at that. And it was not a in-character laughing. It was... Oh, he just said what everyone in this audience is saying. <laughs> There's 20 minutes left in this movie, and he just turned and said, "Oh, we're leaving." <laughs> like that's that's a perfect encapsulation of what needed to happen. I was hoping you were going to say he looked to the audience, real deadpan, just went, "What?" <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a billion more out there, but that's just. Oh, I've, I've got list. a few more on my list here. If you if you want to humor me here, go for it. Okay. <laughs> the Hunger Games, the first Hunger Games movie. Peta eat the berries. Peta eat the berries. But but he he's gotta come back and be be a sexy teen idol. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just eat the berries. We'll, we'll all be happier all the way around. Uh, an old gripe, a familiar gripe for a lot of people, but I'll, I'll just echo it back anyways. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, just end the movie. Just finish. Not, not five or six times, just, just wrap it up. It's fine. We're a patient audience. <laughs> I've been uh, going back here recently. Uh, Netflix put a bunch of the old James Bond movies up on uh, streaming, and I've been going back and rewatching those. Yeah, aside from a lot of the you know Bondyism cliches and that kind of stuff, I was really struck by some of the, and I know this is part of the fun, but some of the uber ridiculous ways that some of these henchmen try to get rid of Bond, and just you know, again, these are products of their time. I recognize that I'm. I'm a Bond fan. I have fun with it. But, yeah, it's like, really? You're going to kill this guy by throwing a snake into the moving car? Simplify, man. (laughs) (laughs) How about, uh, here's one, if we dive into the Harry Potter series. There's one Hmm. we never touched on. Oh, yeah, okay. I I got two of them. Uh, Number one, take movie one and movie two and make them a new movie called One Movie. (laughs) <laughs> and then move on to the excellent number three. And then right. the, the the second bit is 
Dear Lord, do one of two things. Either recast Bonnie Wright, who played Jenny Weasley, because she became the absolute weakest member of that growing up teenage cast from the originals, or give her an acting coach who can really show her how to profess any sort of passion or connection with Harry that they're supposed to have. Because, my God, those were the scenes that you're like, these these two are meant to be together in, in the books. And in this, it looks like uh, two people in a sixth grade junior high dance who don't want to be within five feet of each other. Well, everybody else is dancing. We're the last ones. Come on, give me your hands. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, they, there was nothing there. So there, there's my Potterism. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm not going to delve too far into this one because I've complained about it on previous podcasts as well. Uh, the most recent Star Trek entry into darkness, he does not need to be con. <laughs> uh, spoiler. Oh, right. Yeah, um, right. He's not. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's an overall generalized one. Hey, J.J. Abrams and Christopher Nolan... Stop M-nighting us. It's no longer <laughs> necessary to have these big super secret twists. Just keep your whole movie secret, but, you know, just release a, a photograph a week from the set. It's not going to do anything. It's going to quench people's thirst. In fact, on a Get complete... Get them talking about your movie? Yeah, I mean, on a complete tangent level that, you know, I think, at least I'm starting to run out of ideas, but... Hmm. it. As we sit here in May of 2014, it seems like J.J. is starting to get the idea because it seems about once a week now, ever since Star Wars Episode Seven started to really ramp up and say, okay, we're starting, about once a week they release some sort of little mini video or photograph from the set, and it seems to instantaneously you know, throw the bone to all the people who would normally be going, oh, my God, we got to go and take telephoto lenses and shots from the set and every last thing we can and find every last detail. And who knows, that might ramp up like that next year. <laughs> but for right now, it seems like, oh, we've got a week to to go over. Like today, there was a video released of J.J. Uh, Abrams talking about a new uh, charity event thing that they're going to do where you can bid on a raffle to win a shot to be in the movie oh. and all of the funds from the raffle are going to go towards this UNICEF thing mm. that's founded. And he cool. did a little video from the desert set and there were creatures that were walking behind him, like non CG actual physical mask creatures. Mm. And if he does something like that once a week, it's like two weeks ago, it was the black and white picture of the cast. And last week it was some other thing. And this, just do that, and somebody's going to spend a week on the internet talking about that instead of trying to come up with shit. And meanwhile, you get to the movie, it's not spoiled, uh, and you're done. Not, well, it's he's not con, but he is. Well, just say it's con. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares, exactly? Just say she's Talia al Ghul, Christopher <laughs> Nolan. For God's sakes, no one cares. Oh, big spoiler twist. She's Talia. So, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I think the era of that is over. Yeah, and and that's okay. We can we can leave it on the shelf. It's fine. At least for now, which would be part time. <laughs> <laughs> 
speaking of something to remove. Hey, who knows? Maybe that was the best line reading they got. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, is there anything else on your list? No, I'm, I'm kind of cleared out on uh, on my go around here with this. I mean, and, and in our other podcasts, we've covered in greater detail some of the other ones that we've had. Like one of my biggest ones for the last 20 years was the Quantum Leap one that spurned us into that episode of it's great, it's great, it's great. Wait, Dr. Sam Beckett never left home. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. No. Yeah, something like that or, you know, the Crystal Skull. Just do the different line reading and you might have a better movie. Who knows? Yeah, we're not doing this in mean-spiritedness or anything. I mean, if we weren't film fans, we wouldn't care about any of these things. This is just, you know, our fun little, if if we had the power to do so, what would we do type of thing? Just a quick re-edit, and suddenly you have a better movie. Yeah. <laughs> Remove Jar Jar entirely. Do you have a better movie in Phantom Menace? A seven-year-old might say no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these movies are for children? What? <laughs> so that's a, uh, that's a shot in the arm that uh, is called... Uh, quick fixes i guess okay we'll go with that will we we will excellent don't forget to like us on facebook episodes can be downloaded on itunes or at enceladusliterary.com there's still one thing i don't understand one opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of enceladus literary but I hate when you're trying to read something and you come across the expression, one thing led to another. What in the hell kind of lazy writing is that? Isn't that your job as the writer to tell me how this led to that? You can just throw that in there. Adolf Hitler was rejected as a young man in his application to art school. One thing led to another. And the United States dropped two atomic bombs on the sovereign nation of Japan. This is some pamphlet! Okay, but... Ah!